Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one public page of Talmud every day. And I say public because on today's page, Aruvin 94, the rabbis ask, really, what is public and what is private? Here's a nice line. The Gemara asks, according to Rabbi Eliezer, due to the fact that the courtyard was breached into the public domain, does it become the public domain? The Gemara answers, yes, as in this regard, the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer conforms to his standard line of reasoning. In other words, the rabbis say, if you have a courtyard where you happen to live and it's breached into, well, the public domain, you really don't have any expectation of privacy. It then becomes part of this big, whole, public, collective domain, which strikes me as a particularly interesting question now in the age where everyone conducts so much of life online, where the issue of privacy is, of course, a primary one. And it is my absolute pleasure to talk to one of our wisest thinkers about this issue. He is a staff writer for The New Yorker and author of a tremendous new book, Anti-Social, Online Extremists, Techno-Utopians, and the Hijacking of the American Conversation. Andrew Morantz, thank you so much for being our guest. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'm going to actually speak a little quietly because I have a sleeping baby on my chest, and we'll see if we can do oh. Talmud without ending his nap. Well, you win the most adorable conversation of the week <laughs> prize. And so speaking very quietly, let me ask you this. I think so many of us by now, especially those of us who may have sort of stumbled into the, the advent of digital life, are beginning to understand that we really should not probably have many expectations of privacy as such online, that as it is, we all live in this courtyard that is breached into the public domain. Is that true or is it still privacy to be found online? Yeah, I think, I mean, the Talmud is a difficult thing to understand. So if this page is actually about like kumquats or something, then you should tell me. But I think if it's about what it sounds like, then yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's basically the dilemma we're all facing now. And Look, I don't think there really is much of an expectation of privacy in practice, if not in theory, right? There are theoretical ways that you could claim rights to privacy online, but in practice, the kind of internet hygiene best practice is said to be, you know, don't send an email that you wouldn't want showing up in the New York Times, don't send a picture that you wouldn't want posted on Facebook, you know, now that might not be fair. And I think in many cases that can be weaponized against people when you talk about things like revenge porn and doxing and all that stuff. But it is sort of the world we live in. Now there's a difference between, you know, personal online hygiene and the law. And there's also a difference between both of those things and ethics or morality or what should be the case. But one thing that this immediately brings to mind is uh, these sort of rabbis saying, well, is it a balcony? Is it a private balcony? Is it the public square? It immediately reminds me of, um, the Supreme Court, which is, you know, the closest we have to a Sanhedrin in this country. And we stock it as often you do with sort of older, ostensibly wiser people. But because they're older, they don't natively understand the Internet. So there's this amazing case called Packingham v. North Carolina, I believe, that I think everyone should just go listen to the oral arguments or, or, or read the oral arguments because it's essentially an hour of these nine octogenarians trying to figure out what the internet is. And it's exactly <laughs> it's exactly like this line from Talmud, right? They're saying, is it a square? Is it a soapbox? Is it a gazette? Like they use so many metaphors. They compare it to Betty Crocker cookbooks. I mean, it just goes on and on. But the central question is the same, right? Do you have the expectation that 
this is something that everyone should have access to, like it's a utility or like it's the air we breathe, or are these somehow private domains that can be sliced up by corporations or by individuals? And are we any closer to an answer to a good metaphor? Or is the search for a metaphor itself sort of flawed an indication of our uh, inadequate thinking? I think that's exactly it. As long as we can only reach for metaphors and we can't talk about the thing itself, we're kind of on some level going to be lost. I mean, even the very language of the way we've always talked about the internet is itself so deeply embedded in metaphor, right? Net, web, link, node, page. I mean, everything is a metaphor. There's very little ability to talk about the thing itself. And part of that is because the companies don't want you thinking too closely about what they're doing, right? So they want you to think about the cloud, which sounds nice and puffy and airy instead of you know, a bunch of stacks of computer servers belching out carbon emissions in Iceland somewhere. They want you to think about frictionlessly, easily sort of toggling from page to page and, you know, the services they're providing for you. They don't want you to think about how they're then tracking you and surveilling you and, you know, to use Shoshana Zuboff's phrase, um, ensnaring you in the age of surveillance capitalism, right? So this has been a kind of intentional and very, very successful rebranding effort. And in fact, we shouldn't even say rebranding. It's just been a branding effort and there's never been a rebrand. And I think you're just now starting to see people come, I think, far too late to the realization that this is a huge industry like other huge industries that, you know, deserves to be critiqued and monitored. And that just because, you know, Google or Facebook is giving you a service for free doesn't mean that you yourself are not ultimately the product. And so as we continue to stand in our breached courtyard uh, on the cusp of this public domain, Andrew Morantz, we're very grateful to you for warning us of all the dangers outside. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. And, you know, I think it's still okay to get out to the balcony every once in a while and get some sunshine, but just don't uh, do not do anything too weird out there. <laughs> Amen, Salah. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.